Welcome to the RunFit365.com podcast, episode 10. Booyah! Hello and welcome back to the RunFit365 podcast. I'm your host, Travis Lozier. Uh, with us today, as always, we have Coach Dan Cusen on um, on the line here. Dan, how's it going, my man? Life is good. Life is good. I love that. And uh, I know you're going to love episode 10 because it's um, a topic that's near and dear to your heart. And I know, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> And I know how passionate you are about this topic. So um, we're going to talk a little bit about running indoors and running on the treadmill. Yep, and I think I think you've called it the treadmill before. I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe I just made that up. If I haven't said it, I've thought it. Yeah. For sure. So you know, this is the time of the year where it starts to get um, darker earlier. The the conditions are changing, and uh, more and more people are finding themselves in the position of: um, Do I scrap a run or do I squeeze something in on the treadmill? And um, so we'll spend a little bit of time talking about you know, kind of your philosophy and feedback on if we have to do it, what's the best way to do it, what's the safest way to do it, and we'll have some dialogue around that. And then, um, as always, we'll do a random runner's world here, and I've got a magazine from uh, July of 2013, and it looks like it's the, the Boston Marathon edition, um, or Stronger Than Ever, so we'll, we'll find an article here and have some dialogue. Cool. All right. Well, well, let's just jump right into this. Um, and I know a little bit about your philosophy, but um, and, and talk to us maybe about why it's not a good idea, if, if at all possible, to stay off the treadmill. So I, you know, first of all, anything is better than nothing. I, yeah. I do think that this is the time of year where I'd rather somebody run indoor and be smart than try to go outside and do something stupid you know, break a leg or something. We talked about in the last podcast, all kinds of reasons, um, that you might want to run indoors. So I don't want it to sound like I, you know, it's the worst thing in the world, but I do think there's some benefits to running outside whenever you can. Um, most notably for me is when you're running in a treadmill, it's pacing you. It's, it's, you know, if you set it for an eight minute mile, you're going to run an eight minute mile. You don't have to think about it. And the problem with that is you don't have to think about it. So the next time you go to run outside, um, it's going to be harder to pace yourself. So I think pacing is really important. Um, maybe not as important on the off season, but I, I still think as often as you can, if you um, train like you're uh, in your racing environment, that's the, the best option. And that's a good segue because my second one I wrote down is training in your racing environment as often as you can. I uh, heard, I don't remember, maybe a magazine or something, um, the triathlons in overseas, uh, I can't remember England, I think you see all kinds of us cyclers falling down on the streets when it's raining and you see all kinds of European cyclists just fly right past them. And I found out, or at least they, they reported that's because us cyclers don't train in the rain. When it's raining outside, they get on a, a trainer in, indoors and they just, you know, go hard in there. And so you know, there's things about being outdoor that or outdoors that um, is part of your training. It's part of uh, adaption. 
Yeah, that, so, that seems so fundamental, Dan, though, but that's such an important point. You know, you can never predict um, what's going to happen on a race day. And mm-hmm. by, you know, even the smallest things like um, getting out and running in the rain or running in the snow, um, I think it gives you a mental edge just, yep. you know, that you've been there, that you've done that, that, um, you know, whatever whatever the world throws at me on the morning of the race day, my training cycle has prepared me for whatever is going to happen. Um, if you contrast that to any time the weather's not ideal for a run and you find yourself um, jumping indoors, I-, I think you lose a little bit of that mental edge when it comes to race day and um, you're facing non-ideal conditions. I completely agree. It's you know we talked about a couple of podcasts ago visualization, and that's the same sort of thing. If you've been training um, in those conditions and then you get race in those conditions, you've already prepared yourself. So I think you're absolutely right on the mental edge. Um, plus, if you're running on a, a treadmill, you're probably not paying attention to your running. You're likely watching a TV, listening to music. Um, you're basically on autopilot. I, I, I read a few articles when I was doing some research for this that actually said autopilot's a good thing. I, I'm not sure where they're coming from there because I feel like autopilot, just putting in the time is not really what you're going for. So, again, it's not a terrible thing, but just one more thing to look for. And well, then, well I, can, fi- I can vouch for that too, Dan. Sorry to interrupt, but you, no. know, you, you know that you've been to our house, the basements and or, or the treadmills in the basement. And uh, like last night, for example, I was on the treadmill. I'm sorry. I apologize. Okay. <laughs> Don't hold it against me. But last night I, I was on autopilot. I, I did a very basic kind of, you know, 30 minutes to 45 minutes is my max, but it's better than nothing. So last night I was on the treadmill and I was just going to do a simple progressive run. Um, the first 10 minutes um, at eight miles per hour, this, uh, the second um, 10 minutes around 8.5 and then progress to nine. And during that, down in the basement, Olivia and Ryder, <laughs> my kiddos are running around, and here I am, just like you said, on autopilot, not thinking about necessarily cadence or uh, anything, because you know the treadmill's paving the way. I'm just as long as I keep my feet under me, <laughs> life is good. <laughs> so there, there is something about that autopilot that um, you just don't get that when you're outside, and it just doesn't. Um, there's something about that on the treadmill, I guess. Yeah. So you do get cardiovascular benefits, but you're missing a lot of the other pieces of training. Um, The last piece that I I think is really good to get outside whenever you can is just in terms of running form. Uh, If you're, if you're running correctly, you are um, sort of leaning into your run. Uh, You're using your body to, you're using the elasticity of your, uh, tendons and, and muscles and everything to propel yourself forward. Whereas when you're running on a treadmill, you pretty much have to be pretty straight, straight up. You, you can't really lean forward. Um, and it almost feels like you're, you're leaning back a bit. So really, if you do too much training on a treadmill, you kind of run the risk of creating some poor form. Yeah. Um, so, okay, Dan, you've made your point. <laughs> Those are the reasons why not. So the autopilot, you, you miss the elements, and then um, kind of your, your form is not what it would be like if you're running outdoors. 
So play along with me for a little bit. If you have to be on side, or if you have to be on a treadmill, if you have to be inside, what's the what's the safest way to do it? Okay, so again, I, I don't run on a treadmill a lot. I have in the past, and um, just hearing your stories, I've, I've learned some lessons listening in on what you've <laughs> yes, done. Yes, I love it. <laughs> so, Anything I can do to help. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I did, like always, I, I go out and, and read all kinds of things about this stuff. And there's a lot of good tips. There's a lot of also kind of, I don't know, I wasn't super impressed with a lot of the articles, but um, some pretty basic things. So uh, pretty common is when you're running on a treadmill, um, be careful where you look. Don't look down. Don't look up. Like if you're running and you're looking up at a TV, um, look to the side to, to see somebody running next to you. Any of those movements, um, when you have this small sort of swath to run along, um, you're putting yourself at risk for, um, you know, stepping on the wrong spot, stepping onto the side, making yourself fall. So really, you're putting yourself at risk to, to lose your balance if you don't really kind of look forward um, as sort of a neutral position. Um, so specifically, don't look down, but I would say kind of stay in a neutral position. Any, any struggles with that yourself, Travis? And actually, I have a story about myself um, yeah. running on a treadmill. Well, what I, last night example, the, you know, Olivia and Ryder are, are doing loops around, and the treadmill is positioned where it's up against the wall on the right. So I'm looking to the left, watching them to make sure that they don't um, come around a corner hot and run right into the treadmill or anything yeah. silly like that. Um, so, you know, even that little subtle look to the left, um, what I find is if I'm not, again, when you're on autopilot, I run up on the treadmill. So I'm, I'm constantly doing checks with the, the front of the plate there where my foot will land on the plate and just kind of slide down. And mm -hmm. it, it happens every time. It's just like, if you're not, you know, constantly, you know, paying attention that, um, it's easy to get in that autopilot. It's easy to look away and just think that you're cruising. And then all of a sudden uh, you land on that plate. And that's a nice reminder to say, you know, get your focus back and um, keep running. But, yeah, it's easy to do. Well, I'll tell you, I, I just thought of one I didn't write down because this is – I'm not sure. Maybe I just blocked this out of my memory. But I remember running years ago on a treadmill six miles in, and um, I had like a – uh, MP3 player headphones. MP3 player was was sort of sitting on the, the I don't know, one of the spots in the treadmill, and it fell down. It hit the the uh, whatever that thing is. The belt hit the belt, and it just took off and you know went way behind the treadmill. So like an idiot, instead of shutting down the, the treadmill, I <laughs> for some reason I just turned around. Um, and started doing sort of a back, I mean, I, I would have fallen, but I started doing like a back pedal, um, somehow got off the end of the treadmill without dying or falling or breaking something, looked around to see how many people were looking at me like an idiot. If I I, up, just so you know, though, if I was there, I would have gave you a standing O. I would have got, <laughs> if I was on the treadmill next to you and you did that maneuver and safely pulled it off, I would have probably stopped the machine and just gave you a nice little round of applause. <laughs> Well, you would have had to get me two because I picked up the MP3 player, and instead of going up the side of the, the treadmill or turning it off or whatever, I tried jumping back on. And that <laughs> – I had to 
basically run pretty hard to keep from falling forward at that point. Well, there, there's two things I learned from that story. One, I've got much more respect for you now than ever before. <laughs> and, and two, um, I understand why you don't like treadmills. <laughs> That's probably the beginning of the end for me. Right. I, I totally think so. Yeah. So I guess I'll interject a, a new one on the list. Um, if you're ever having to get off or do anything um, outside of running on the treadmill, shut it down first. Shut it down, get off, do what you need to get, and, and get back on. Don't try to do what I did. Yeah. I got lucky. <laughs> okay, so um, we talked about pacing and how the treadmill paces you and how that can be a bad thing. I've read that you can use the treadmill's incline functionality to get a little bit closer. There's actually, I found a... Um, a treadmill chart. There's, I think there's several out there. And it kind of gives you an idea of if you um, put the, the, the treadmill at this incline, um, then you're essentially running at this mile per hour. So as an example, I'm going to look on this, this grid here. Um, if you're running at an eight-minute mile at a 0% grade, you're, it, it's like you're running an 820. At a 1% grade, you're right at about an eight-minute mile, so where you should be. Um, if you're at a 2% grade, then you're at about 740. So it seems about a 20-second 20, 20 um, uh, decrease um, as you go up and inc uh, increase your uh, incline. So that's one way you can kind of get it back to normal, whereas if you're trying to – if if you're trying to simulate running an eight-minute mile pace on the road, what they're saying is set your treadmill at an eight-mile minute, uh, eight-minute mile pace on the treadmill, and then increase it uh, one percent on the incline, and that should be a pretty close match. So I've never done that myself. I have put increase increase the incline, but I haven't done it to sort of simulate the uh, the road conditions. Yeah, I always, my kind of rule of thumb is a 2% incline, and I don't know, I think it's probably from looking through some of those similar articles and um, algorithms uh, that have been published online. Um, so, so it is a pretty common practice, I think, if you're, uh, if you're running on the treadmill you know, frequently. Mm -hmm. yeah. They also said um, try to avoid, because it's so much simpler to run a, a treadmill, Try to avoid increasing your speed and, and rather um, increase your incline uh, to increase the challenge. Again, not overdoing it because overdoing it can put a little bit more stress on um, certain parts of your leg that you're not used to, to hitting. So, for example, um, your, your lower leg, your calf muscles, if you put too much of an incline, you can put too much stress on those uh, tendons and ligaments and you don't want to cause yourself injury. So don't overdo it, but that could be a better challenge than just simply increasing your speed. Yeah. Um, the next two kind of go together. Um, avoid lengthening your stride. Again, since the treadmill is moving, doing the moving for you, it's really, it's really I don't know, uh, might be something you'd want to do is fall into the laziness of, of going with the belt and simply lengthening your stride, making it easier and lowering your cadence. Um, so a couple tips are make sure you keep the, the shorter strides, make sure you keep your cadence up. Um, and then don't hold the sidebars of the treadmill. 
those things that uh, a lot of people kind of grab onto those things and run to, to keep their balance and so they can look around. Uh, everything I saw basically said try to avoid that because uh, you're, you're going to cause yourself not to get as good of a workout and um, you're putting yourself in a bad position. What's, what's your experience with that, with, with those things, Travis? Um, with the side rails, that's never um, an issue for me, but I, I know um, when we've gone to LA Fitness or um, when we were members at the Y, it, it was um, always kind of amazing how many people still use those things or relied on, on the sidebars for support. Um, it's just never been an issue for me. Um, I have at times used them when I've been looking, you know, again, to your first point, looking to the left or not paying attention and um, you find yourself on the front of the plate or to the left or the right of the treadmill belt. And mm -hmm. then, um, they have uh, saved me multiple times, but I have never really used those for support. Um, but, you know, maybe that's just me. I don't, I don't think, I think most people probably do avoid it, but uh, must be enough people out there that they, they mention that. Yeah. Um, the next one, I'm, I'm not sure how I feel about this one. I, I wrote a blog article, probably one of our more popular ones on uh, whether you should or shouldn't run with music. And uh, some of the articles I, I read said, since you're going to be indoors on a treadmill, now's your, now's your chance to listen to music, uh, watch TV, <clears throat> do all that stuff. Um, my feeling is, again, I guess I'm a little bit of a purist in, in the running aspects. I, I think it's better, again, if, if you listen to music, you're, you're putting yourself a little bit closer to that autopilot thing. You're just putting in the miles. You're putting in the time. You're going to get better at the mental game if you're always concentrating on your running, paying attention to your body. Are, is your foot slapping the belt? Are, are you... Um, are you breathing heavy? Uh, those, there's lots of things, and maybe we can we can talk about that. The content of that blog article, the reasons why I feel that listening to music can be more of a detriment than help um, for your running. Um, so, a lot of the articles say, "Yeah, go for it, listen to music." I suggest concentrate on your running instead, but I guess it's kind of your own preference. Yeah, the only time, Dan, and um I feel like I'm going to make a confession, but the only time I listen to music is when I'm on the treadmill in the basement there. Um, yeah. And I don't know why. It's just, um, it's hard enough to get on a treadmill. You know, most people, the majority of runners, I think would agree with that comment that um, it's one of the least favorite things to do is jump on the treadmill. Yeah. Um, so one thing that I do enjoy is putting on Pandora and zoning out for 30 to 45 minutes, getting something in opposed to nothing. And um, that's, the, that's one of the only ways I can even stand getting on the treadmill. Well, you're the yin to my yang because I, I totally get that, though. I mean, really, when, I, um, when I'm down in the basement this time of year on a, a bike trainer, and again, that's not something I would probably try to do outside, uh, but I do get on the trainer in the wintertime. And it is all I can do to sit on that thing. It's just not fun. The treadmill is the same way. So I guess what, <clears throat> what I do is I put in a, a Kona or something at Ironman, watch people get inspired, watch them running, 
it kind of helps the time go by and, and inspires me to, to kind of go hard when I need to. So I'm not saying don't do it. You get, you got to get through the workout. Um, just be thinking about, um, the things that you should be paying attention to, uh, paying attention to, even if you do do it. Yeah. And I think you mentioned your blog post, um, and that's still out on runfit365.com for people to check out, but I would really like maybe an episode 11 or 12, um, for you to kind of talk through some of those principles and reasons why, um, when you're out on a run, just to kind of really focus in on your body and, um, kind of leave the, leave the music behind, because I think it's, um, really good work, Dan. So, so maybe we could put that in uh, for episode eleven or twelve. If we do it eleven, I won't have to do any homework for next week. That would be great. All right. Well, let's do it. <laughs> let's make it happen. All right. So next on the list, um, we talked about visualization in the mental side of running a few times ago. This is a great time to practice your visualization. Um, what else are you going to do? I mean, if you're sitting on a treadmill, you're running. Um, you're, you're doing the motions. You might as well visualize yourself um, getting through certain situations uh, on a running course, a real running course. So it's just a good time to, to practice that sort of thing. This is, uh, I don't know, Dan, have you been to the basement of my house, Dan, and checked out the treadmill? Yeah. Um, yeah. One of the things a few years ago, good friends of ours um, made a hand portrait, a hand design kind of canvas print of the Boston Marathon course. And mm-hmm. that, that, that painting is right in front of the treadmill. So if nothing else, that's a visual reminder when I'm on the treadmill, the, you know, the few times that I am down there, um, that helps me connect and visualize different parts of, um, Boston, or at least it's a reminder that, um, you know, there's more races to come and, uh, you're not always going to be on this treadmill type of thing. <laughs> That's a great idea if you can put that kind of thing in front of your treadmill. Yeah, yeah it, it, it's been helpful for me. Great thoughts. Yeah. All right, so next on the list is um, hydration. I think most people probably think about hydration, have a bottle right there. There's you know, cup holders on most treadmills. Um, just don't forget about it especially if, if the conditions in your house are such that, you know, if you've got a cold basement, because this time of year it's colder, if you've got a fan on you, uh, you don't really feel hot, you don't feel like you're sweating, just don't forget um, hydration just like always. And then really the, the very generic one at the end is just be safe. Um, don't do anything stupid like I did. <laughs> if you do, then you'll learn your lesson. You won't do it again, I promise. In fact, I just don't run on them anymore. But um, just make good decisions. And um, along with that is make good decisions to uh, decide to come indoors and train when it's not good conditions outside. So there is a place for treadmills. I just have a really hard time um, prescribing that for people for all those reasons we talked about. Very good, Dan. As always, well-prepared. Um, and I know this was probably one of your toughest segments so far because, um, you know, the, the four reasons you listed in the beginning of the episode, but there's going to be times when um, you're faced with the decision of not running or getting something in. And I think that we can agree to at least that, that, you know, when faced with those two options, it's always better to get something in. If you do it the right way and you're safe, 
Yeah. Um, so again, very well done. Anything to add in closing or summary to wrap up? No, I don't think so. I'm, I'm anxious for this running or this running world. Yeah. I still, I really don't think I've ever stumped you with this, but, um, again, this is the random runners world segment. And this, um, is the July 2013 magazine. And I'm flipping to, all right, I didn't do it this time. The last couple times I flipped to pages that have just been all ads. Um, and maybe when I do that next time, we'll see how that goes. <laughs> I don't know. There's no way that you'd be able to get through that. Okay, so this is, um, again, July 2013, page 47, it looks like. This comes from the personal best section of the magazine and its training. Um, and this is called Lessons Learned. The, the article heading is, and I'm just going to read through a little bit of this, Dan, and um, if you hear something you want to zoom in on, we'll, we'll drill in on that. But this is Lessons Learned. Um, a marathon presents you with 26.2 miles of opportunity. Sidestep these 10 common training and racing mistakes to have a great day. Okay, so it looks like this article is listing these 10. If you don't mind, I'll read, read quickly through these 10 mistakes, and maybe we can pick out a couple. Uh, mistake number one, I trained wrong. Um, the next page here, mistake number two, I got psyched out. Mistake number three, I didn't fuel up. Mistake number four, I arrived late. Been there, done that. Mistake number five, <laughs> I ate too much. Mistake number six, I dressed all wrong. This is a good article, actually. Um, yeah. Mistake number seven, I got cold and wet. Mistake number eight, I went out too fast. Mistake number nine, <laughs> I... Um, I hyped the finish. I don't know what that means. Um, and mistake number ten, I forgot the fun. So wow, this oh, is yeah. um, this is a pretty lengthy article here, um, but there's a lot of good stuff here. Did you hear something that you wanted to talk wow. through? All those things are uh, are very. I mean, we've talked about the go out too early thing. Yeah, um, we t actually, we talked we talked about some of these in the past. Going out too yeah. fast, uh, I think we covered that in an early podcast. But it it's got to be one of the most common, mm -hmm. um, you know, especially if it's one of your first marathons. It's got to be one of the most common mistakes, and you can never overemphasize, um, you know, going out controlled early on and um, sticking to your game plan. So I'm sure that that lesson learned um, touches on some of those topics yeah i think um going out too fast is a biggie um not preparing from a nutritional um perspective and that that's really multifaceted in that that could mean um you don't plan your breakfast right you don't practice that uh, you should never eat anything brand new the morning of a race you should be practicing that yeah. um <clears throat> in fact i like to have people um practice a long run getting up at the same time that you would for the race and practice that meal and uh, multiple times if needed to, to figure out what kind of meal work, works best for you. Oh, absolutely. Different. And I know you've coached me on the past too. Not only um, what's the meal that you have the night before or the day of, yeah. but also practice how you're going to fuel before the, during the race. So, during, yeah. Um, you know, if you're in train and you never take Gatorade, 
um, you know, don't try Gatorade the day of the race. Or right. if you're anticipating taking Gatorade, make sure on your long train runs that you have some of that to get those electrolytes and um, get that in your body to see how you respond. And it's the same with the, you know, your running gels. Um, you never want to try any of that stuff the day of your race because you never know how you're going to respond. Yeah, nothing new. Nutrition, clothes, shoes, any of that stuff. You just need to be, you know, practice. Yeah. I, you know, you can't plan enough. There's most races on their website or, or material they send you kind of tell you along the way of the race what to expect. When I did the Disney Marathon, the first uh, marathon I did, I thought I had seen that they had snack stations and drink stations and all this other stuff. So I literally had a banana. Now this this was a long time ago. It was the first time I ever ever trained for anything. Uh, I was very um, naive, uh, a naive runner, I guess. So I had a banana, um, probably two hours, three hours before the race, and I didn't prepare. I didn't bring anything else with me. No drink, no nutrition, um, and they literally had nothing until the the halfway point and at the finish line. <clears throat> so. I was completely wasted away when I got to the halfway point and um, even even worse when I got to the finish line. So you, you got to plan ahead. You got to practice the, uh, during your training to figure out what works for you when you uh, need something to avoid hitting the wall, if you can, um, and, and just practice that stuff. Yeah. I just noticed this on the article too, and I want your response to this. Um, this is right next to that mistake around going out too fast. And this looks awesome on paper. I'll, I'll admit that. It says a good pace to run a marathon. Ease in, pick, ease in, pick it up, and then hold on. And it's got listed here, mile one, go out 60, 60 seconds slower than your goal pace. Mile two, 30 seconds slower than your goal pace. Mile three, 15 seconds slower than your goal pace again that really fits nicely with what you've talked about in previous podcasts with you know starting out control then mile four to five settle into goal pace then six through 13 gently pick it up to five to ten seconds faster miles 14 through 25 to 10 seconds faster than goal pace miles 21 through 25 this is where i always hurt i mean mm -hmm. when you hit this part of the race um you're going to be in pain. <laughs> mm -hmm. But it says, and I love this, it says try to hold on to your goal pace because that's exactly what you're doing. Yep. Um, and then miles 25 through 26, it just says dig deep and finish strong. Mm -hmm. um, doesn't that sound like perfect on paper? It does sound perfect on paper. And the one thing, I guess I hadn't put much thought into each specific mile. Um, I would say I would completely agree with the minute slower on the first mile. Um, 30 seconds on the second and 15 on the third. That's kind of how I would, I think that's a good way, a good guide, guide rail. Yeah. Um, the others I hadn't thought much into, I guess I would have thought, uh, stick with your pace. Uh, the risk you run with going a little bit faster than your pace is um, over several miles that can deplete your nutrition if you haven't practiced that way. So I guess, if you do follow something like that, practice it in a, a long run during training to see how you do with it. Because the last thing you want to do is, is you know, it's, it's not a shame thing to walk across the finish line, but you want to try to avoid that if you can. So uh, practice whatever 
you decide is the right thing for you before you do it on the race day. Very nice. I started looking at that lesson or the mistake number nine. It said I hiked the finish. I was like, what does that mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and it looks like the dialogue is around um, this particular author or the, the story is around um, they just kind of visualized or anticipated that there's going to be, you know, tons of people waiting for them at the finish line right. uh, of a significant marathon. And when she crossed the finish line, she only found herself weaving through people for 90 minutes looking for her party. And <laughs> I guess the, the lesson learned noted here was to make a post-race plan. And I think that, you know, if you ran any kind of major marathon or big race, um, you know what that experience is like going through the finish shoot. Um, they've got that area really gated off and it's really secure. So you're picking up your metal, you're refueling with water, um, granola bars and all kinds of goods on the way out. You stop and get your photo taken and then you, you corral through, you know, some more finish shoots. And then finally, the next thing you know, you're a quarter mile away from the finish line with none of your you know, friends and family in sight. So a lot of the big race sites have the runner reunite areas. Yeah. But I think that the point here was uh, to be aware of that stuff and just make sure that you have a plan and, and don't anticipate, you know, as soon as you cross that finish line that you're going to be able to, you know, run over and give your family and friends um, high fives and hugs. Or even just in that last final stretch, you always need that final you know, cheer as you're, as you're running that last quarter mile, half mile. And every single year I've run the 500 festival mini marathon. Um, I run past people that are cheering for me and I can't, I don't even know they're there. And they always say, did you hear us? Did you hear us? I'm like, no. (laughs) And I mean, I could literally five feet from them, but it's so loud or, or whatever. So if you almost have to practice not depending on, on seeing that, because you might actually be somewhat disappointed when you don't. Yeah. All right, I'm just looking through here. Um, it looks like the lesson learned around I got cold and wet. And again, thinking about some of, um, you know, maybe our experiences, again, just because of the, the scope of some of these races and how large they are. Once you finish your race, and if the race temperature is fairly cold, you know, you've got sweat, and then you're navigating through these finish shoots, um, it's very easy if you didn't prepare, um, if you didn't check a bag or you didn't, you know, use race day check-in and things like that, or you didn't have a family member that there's to support you, you could find yourself in some pretty significant trouble, um, if you can't get warm. And this lesson learned is, um, it looks like they're just talking about bringing a survival kit, it says, mm-hmm. uh, just to make sure that you're prepared in the event that, um, you know, you find yourself on race day in those cold and wet temperatures. Uh, you don't want to stay in that condition too much longer um, after the race than necessary. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. All right, Dan, that's a, there's a lot of good stuff in this article. Again, this was on um, page 47. If people are really looking through some of these things, and this is um, the July 2013 edition of runner's world. So Dan, thanks again. Um, I think you could talk about anything in running. So I'm almost going to give up and I'm going to stop saying that I'm going to stump you on one of these things because I'm sure people are getting annoyed by me saying that because it's at this point, it's not going to happen. 
So, well, anybody can say uh, something about any one of those topics. So I'm just getting lucky. Keep trying. Yeah, yeah there you go. Um, well, Dan, great um, episode on you know safely running on treadmills, and um, you know we drilled in a little bit on some of these lessons learned from marathons that I think is really useful, and you can never hear that stuff enough. Um, so thanks for covering that. Um, and that really brings us to a wrap of episode 10 of the RunFit 365 podcast. Um, if you're interested in checking out the blog, go to runfit365.com. Um, click on blog. We list all our podcasts there as well. Um, and feel free to interact with us. There's ways to connect with us on the, on the website by just going to connect. Um, and um, we'll be more than happy to answer questions on the podcast or if you've got a specific topic. Um, we're pretty flexible, so uh, please keep listening and uh, stay tuned for some more podcasts. Dan, anything from you before we close? Nope. Just uh, be safe and keep running. All right. Happy training, everyone.